Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Welcome to the Rhino Podcast, brought to you by Rhino Records. Interviews with your favorite artists and bands about the songs and albums you love. Here's your host, Rich Mahan. On this episode of the Rhino Podcast, we have Henry Rollins and Rhino A&R Jason Jones back for part two of our conversation about the Stooges Funhouse. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Rhino Podcast. New releases for you to check out over at rhino.com include the recently released Depeche Mode, The Violator Singles, fresh on the heels of the band's 30th anniversary. This set includes 10 12-inch vinyl singles, including Personal Jesus, Enjoy the Silence, Policy of Truth, World in My Eyes, and key B-sides and mixes contemporaneous to Depeche Mode's Watershed Violator album. Metallica fans take note, the new Metallica and San Francisco Symphony S&M 2 Deluxe Box is now available for pre-order. It comes in a variety of configurations from the aforementioned Deluxe Box down to DVDs and Blu-rays. Release date is August 28th and features performances from September 6th and 8th, 2019. Replacements fans rejoice. Just announced is the Replacements Please to Meet Me Deluxe Edition. There will be exclusive limited bundles for those of you who pre-order, which include replications of original promo items, very cool, including shirts, stickers, totes, and a cassette tape with a Paul Westerberg interview. There is a ton of previously unreleased music on this set, which of course features the last of Bob Stinson's recordings with the band. You can check out all of these fine releases and more over at Rhino.com. And don't forget to sign up for the Rhino Insider Rewards Program so you get the credit for the purchases you make. Well, today on the Rhino Podcast, we have part two of our conversation with Luminary Henry Rollins and Rhino A&R Jason Jones about the 50th anniversary edition of the Stooges Funhouse. It's a massive 15 LP box set that includes every take from the entire Funhouse recording sessions at Electra Studios in Los Angeles. Included in this set is a 45 RPM 12-inch version of the original record on two LPs, and there's a live show from that time as well entitled Have Some Fun Live at Ungano's. It's available for pre-order now, and there are less than 75 left out of the 1,970 being made. So head over to rhino.com and reserve yours before it's too late. Scotty wrote it. Anything to say? I, I want you to write all the music from now on. 
What does the vinyl bring to the table that the CDs don't? Kind of everything else, Jason. I mean, you, you and I, we both got our test pressings at the same time. I got mine in two, I think, two mailings. I got like the first chunk and the second chunk. Yeah, Jason. you got you got sides like A through O in, in one <laughs> box, and then the rest of them in the other one. They were staggered in such a way where there's never a situation where I was without yep. outtake vinyl, yep. and so I just paced myself. And like many people, I've played the CD version over and over, over you know, decades since it's been out. And I got it. But when you put the vinyl on, there's something about a rock band and vinyl, especially when it's mastered really well and, and pressed on good vinyl, as this set is. You know, it's, it's the reason I advocate, you know, I tell young people all the time, you know, Sonny, get yourself a turntable because you, you, you like rock music? Cool. You're never going to understand it playing it out of your phone into those yeah. bad headphones the phone company gave you with your, in your box that came with a phone. You got to put the LP on because that's there's music on that. There's no music on a CD. There's no Led Zeppelin on a Led Zeppelin CD. There's good foolery. There's manipulation. There's no music. There's just numbers. So you want to hear what the band meant to tell you? You got to put record or cassette on. It's got to be analog. Yeah. And when you put the LP on, the LPs, you hear the outtakes, that's when you hear the calories. That's when you hear the determination because the band knew the take is not this one. And what's going to be the take? We'll know it when we get there. Yeah. And when you put on the vinyl, you are in the damn room with those guys going for the take. It's a totally different experience than what the CD experience was like. Because the thing is, is that it, as great as the CD version is, it's a totally different muscle memory and experience. You have to actually get up, turn over the record. You have to physically engage with it, you know, and that kind of, that adds an entirely different experience where, you know, my favorite disc of the CD box was the disc of all the takes of dirt. Cause Me then too. it just becomes one. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. all the takes are good. And it just kind of, you start floating. Yeah. Cause you every do. take is amazing. You do, you do. But with that experience in mind, because that was the, that, to me, that was the litmus test to see if this would work. Whenever we got the test pressings of it and I put that on and it, I had the same kind of hypnosis associated with it, but I'm physically engaging with it. It's not just existing in the ether of the room that I'm in. I have to physically engage with it. That's a totally different experience. That's also something that I wanted to do with the 45 RPM cut of the original album, so which sounds, ooh, which okay. sounds amazing. amazing. So yeah, let's just tell folks what that is. It's a 45 RPM, 12 inch version of the record on three sides with a fourth side etching. Yes. With the box set, you get all the outtakes on high quality vinyl, but you also get Funhouse the album recut early 2020 bernie grumman and bill inglot together two major forces in mastering to be in the same room with those two guys yeah i, I, I was because you know i'm 
so into this stuff just to be in the same frame as those guys. I was forgetting to breathe. It was so bitching. Bill, because he masters all these intense box sets like Velvet Underground and just all this stuff. Bill is the old tape called Bill Inglot. I mean, no one understands old tape, at least in Los Angeles, as better than Bill Inglot, where you can just trust him, give him the tape, leave the room. He's got this. What we need to, to talk about, because this is a big damn deal, is that with this box set, you get all the outtakes on high quality vinyl. You get the singles that were issued, uh, recut, and they sound amazing. But Two seven inch, seven yeah, inches. Yeah, seven inch they, singles. They, they're just crushing. But what you also get is Funhouse remastered from the master tapes, cut at 45 over three sides. Sonically, it is not subtle. It's not like, oh, it kind of sounds better. It will pin you to your couch. And so we go to Bernie Grumman's, I think, January of 2020. Early January. Yeah. Yeah. And so I get there early and, you know, I'm just, uh, just giddy with anticipation. Bill comes in very casually, you know, hey, man. And he got some tapes under his arm. Hey, Bill, what do you got? Oh, it's Funhouse Master Tapes. Oh, he just kind of walks, <laughs> kind of walks in with the Funhouse Master said, may I touch them? He's like, yeah, I guess. Like, weirdo. And um, he's like, he, he carries insanely rare tape. This is just what, this is just Tuesday for him. Oh, yeah. And yeah. for us, it's yeah. like, we're like, you know, it's a crown jewel. And so Jason comes in and we meet we've been emailing but we i don't think we'd ever met no and so we meet and i said hey jason come here i want to show you something (laughs) and they they were prepping the room so the tape was still outside of the room sitting and i go look at that (laughs) is that like yes it is yeah (laughs) whispering put your hand on it (laughs) <laughs> it, it glows <laughs> like, you had, it was we just nerded out about oh. stooges while they were while while bernie and bill were just you know getting ready to do work me and henry are just like nerd like <laughs> complete like let's put our glasses up like nerds about the tapes and just about the stooges in general it was and we were awesome. way too old to be acting like this but thank goodness <laughs> We're not too cool or we can't be like this. And so we get led into the room and we stand at the back and are very quiet. And those two guys are so matter of fact, Bill brought his first pressing of Funhouse. They put it on. I think the lathe where they where they had a turntable of some kind in there. It was a very, very, <laughs> very expensive studio quality turntable it was a promo white label promo copy of funhouse yeah it and they put it on nuts and they're listening to it and they're a being it against the tape and so they get the tape rolling and they're just going a b a b between the tape and they're just making like oh yeah it needs like some of this and some of that and they're just kind of like doing this and doing that and we're standing in the back watching you know the wheel get reinvented these guys this is what they've been doing you know forever and they're just doing their thing and i'm taking photos i'm making notes so we got to listen to funhouse from the master tapes in an acoustically tuned room and i am willing to bet those tapes will not get used again for anything not in my lifetime and so it very well could be that this is kind of it for those tapes coming out and spinning 
And yeah. we, we listened very carefully. And they, they got right to work. And a few hours later, they had cut the lacquers, which I filmed with my phone. And they left. And Jace and I are kind of standing in the big front room of Bernie Grunman's. And I said to Jace, I said, I think you and I are buddies for life. We have <laughs> <Yeah>. bonded <laughs> over this experience. There's four of us in the room. Yeah. Two of them are just like, hey, it's Tuesday. Let's get to work. The yeah. other two guys in the back, Chase and I are like the two fanboys who got to be the, you know, the proverbial flies on the wall. Yeah. I, you know, I realize that I have perhaps made some people listening extremely jealous. <sighs> I don't care. <laughs> And so, <laughs> but, but we were just, you know, super lucky on that day. Well, well and, and also and it was, was not just lost a, on us. No. And it was an experience where for it to be already a visceral experience, listening to that record, to hear it in the studio off of the original master tape yeah. loud. It's like, you have to like, yeah, to take a couple of minutes and just like, reckon with that yep. experience because it was truly a magical experience and also to hear bernie grunman you know the legendary bernie grunman be so excited about how the 45 rpm cut was going because you know bernie's like a scientist like he was like oh this is going to sound great yeah. oh i can't wait to hear this this is and to he- you know and to hear him stoked i mean yeah. there's very little he hasn't heard I and mean, would you can look it up the records that have been mastered under the auspices of Bernie Grunman, how many hundred million record sales are we? I mean, that's the altitude Bernie Grunman casually flies at yeah. is thriller. It's he's up in right. that. Yeah. And when, when he's grooving to Funhouse, you're like, okay, yeah, this is this is this is cool. Yeah. And so it was one of those days where, you know, you're just every once in a while you're just lucky and we you know jason and i were crazy lucky that day i think we spent a good 20 minutes after just kind of talking like wow wow okay yeah. i'll i'll see you later yeah i'll <laughs> see you later <laughs> we both kind of staggered into the sunlight and somehow yeah. found our place home yeah. and so week weeks later and this is the, the even better news weeks later the test pressings come back and i am so fascinated to find out what this is going to sound like on my system. Like, will it knock me out like it did in the studio? Yeah, is it going to translate? Yeah, and I put it on, and I am happy to report fans of Funhouse will be so happy with the sonic upgrade because there's nothing like a little bit of music getting a whole lot of vinyl to spread itself out on because you can cut it deeper, way more resolution, more frequency. And it's not a like, oh, it kind of sounds a little better. It's going to kick your ass. Yeah. It's it's not like oh, it's whoa. Yeah. You'll see. It is yeah. uh, worth the price of admission. I mean, it's stunning. Yeah, and wow. so it's it, this it's, this whole set is so win 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 win. Yeah, it's beautiful, and it's a beautiful it's beautiful to hear a record that is so just like a lurching monster have space to breathe. Yeah, to me that's the most important thing. I wanted it to be. Uh, not only just a beautiful package, I wanted it to sound amazing. I wanted it to be something that you would be stoked that you have it and that it is yours and it's something that you can live and breathe within. 
Jason, how did you guys order the tracks? What was your criteria for, how did you decide what order they were going to be in? Did you go in chronological order, the way they were recorded? or The way they were recorded. Yeah. Straight in order. That's, like, that's just That's just how it goes. <laughs> Henry and I, we're the same kind of nerd where I want to see, oh, wow, they recorded loose on the first day. Like, see the evolution of like, oh, they went into the studio on this day with this idea and with this intention. This is what they accomplished over the course of that day. It really is, it's science. You know, you're seeing the experiment come to life over the course of the multiple sides of this box set. You think whenever you hear records, whenever you're a kid, that, oh, everything is cut in order in real time. You know, you don't understand the logistics and the machinations of what a recording studio is. You just think, oh, this is how it was recorded. Whenever, you know, something fades out, everyone just turns their instrumentation down or something like that, you know? <laughs> right, like, right, like, right. <laughs> like, whenever you really dig into the science behind the recording sound, and how that correlates with an artist's intention and an idea. Like, that's where the magic is. So having it existing in real time and hearing the takes one right after the other, it leads to that visceral Big Bang moment uh, that occurs multiple times throughout the course of this box set. Was there good documentation? I mean, were the tracking sheets, were they labeled with dates so it was easy to figure out the order? Yeah. Or, yeah. The, yeah. The, here's the thing is that this is an example of a label doing something right in documenting yeah. something and inadvertently holding on to the tape. You know, it's, yep, it's yeah. it goes back to what Henry said at the very beginning of this conversation where labels, particularly in the 70s, would bulk dump tape these sessions either someone didn't know that they were there or there was someone on the inside that was like one day they're going to do something with this and made it so that whenever it would come through that oh we're going to dump some tape these were not touched my inclination is that no one knew they were there and that they were just hanging out yeah you know yeah because there's too many instances of Mistakes that happen where fires take place. Oh, there you go. It gets burned. Um, also, yeah. instances where, you know, things just get lost over time. Because, you know, there wasn't this kind of revisionist thinking about albums throughout the 70s and into the 80s. And really, you know, Rhino was one of the first labels that really started to take the care of revisiting albums and doing expanded editions and, you know, digging into outtakes. You know, there's there's a couple of iconic reissue labels that really invested in this. The good fortune of the CD age, you know, facilitating them having the financial means to actually achieve something like that. We're very lucky that all of this still exists and that it was in good condition because there wasn't a lot of work that really needed to take place whenever they were transferring everything in the 90s. You know, a, couple, a little bit of baking, there it is. It's still there on the tape. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that's included in the set that we haven't talked about yet is this live show. Oh, yeah. The Ungano show. Yeah. Yeah. The title is Have Some Fun Live at Ungano's, recorded August 17th, 1970. So it's not too far after they recorded the record. One of the things on here that I noticed, Zeke Zettner's on bass instead of Dave Alexander. What happened to Dave? Uh, Dave was kicked out of the band. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, for an affection with alcohol, there is a, a legendary show the Stooges played. Hopefully, I have all this right. Goose Lake, Jason. Yes, Goose Lake, yeah. Goose Lake Festival. Yeah, he played the Goose, and I think that was the last show with Dave Alexander. Apparently, was. he was uh, a few sheets to the wind. Didn't play many notes that day, and kind of left the band <laughs> hanging. And he was fired. Zeke was a roadie turned bass player i believe he didn't last for very long did he henry i think he went back to being a roadie when the lineup changed um yeah so they by september or october of 1970 steve mckay had gone home yeah we're lucky to have the unganos tape because it captures the band fresh out of the studio and basically doing the fun house set taped by danny fields Mm-hmm. I believe you've seen the master tape. Yes. I've seen the master tape. I've yep. touched it. Mm-hmm. I've gone, ooh, it's real. <laughs> and and it's, a, it's a great record. I forgot that's added in there. And so, uh, again, this allows the listener to go into the studio and kind of hear the sonic aftermath. Like, how do you go out and do those songs in a live setting? Like, can it work live? And you hear it. It obviously does. And that's a that's a really fun record. Live at mm-hmm. McDonald's. It's great. I see your pretty thing. Little wall. I see your pretty thing. Little wall. And also on the original tape, there's two things that are on that tape. There's the first part of it is a uh, Velvet Underground rehearsal from the lead up to the Maxis Kansas City shows. Right. And the other part of it is the Live at Ungano Stooges show. Again, Danny's amazing. Like to, <laughs> to just have those two yeah, things, say that. Those on, two things on, that you know, thing. just randomly on a, on a reel-to-reel tape is just extraordinary. And you, when you hang out with Danny, just the fact that he has the Velvet Underground and the Stooges on one reel-to-reel tape, if you're a fan, you're like, ah, everything you say has exclamation points attached to it. Like, you can't even believe one person could have seen both bands. The best part of that, it's classic Danny. You go, man, you were at that show and you made a tape. He's like, yeah. <laughs> and he's just so, Yeah. They were he really should. great that night. He's just so completely he's so like, nonplussed. He's just got that real nonchalant factory era. Just yes, cool about him. Yeah. So on the box set, is you've got the live record, you've got the actual album, you have all the outtakes, the two singles, and you have I don't know, like a ninety-six hundred word set of liner notes penned yeah. by yours truly. And Jason and I met up one night uh, and he said, okay, so liner notes, we need to know how many words you're going to do because we're going to start blocking out the book. And I, I went, I don't know. Cause I, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I got my materials, but I just don't know how it's going to roll out yet. And so he said, okay, it's going to be about 10,000 words. And I looked at him like he had just punched me expertly in the solar plexus. I'm like, that's a lot of words. If you try and write, which is, I've been trying for 30 years, I still can't get it right. It's just really difficult. 
And I said, 10,000, that's a lot of words, man. And I said to him, I said, son, you might not understand how damn many words 10,000 words is. And he went, okay, like shut up and get typing. And so <laughs> and I went, I guess I better get to work. And I kind of, by the second day, I just didn't want to leave my desk. I just didn't want to get out of the machine and go eat. I just wanted to live in stooge land. And the damn thing ended up basically being 10,000 words. Uh, and yeah. I don't know how Jason saw it, but I didn't try for 10,000. I just wrote until it was oh. done. We all waited on tenterhooks for the big man to approve. We had to send them <laughs> to Iggy Pop because we are not going to put liner notes on a box set of his record without him seeing them. And it's not the first time I've written something on behalf of Iggy or the Stooges. And I have to wait for the, the thumbs up or the thumbs down. And it's like three days of like checking the email yeah. where you just like duct tape your eyes open and just stare at your screen waiting for Iggy's manager. You're waiting for that email to go ding and hit your desktop. Because like, do I get to breathe? It was some long weekend. I'm like, would someone please let me exhale? And then the word came down like, he approves. Yeah. And yeah, right. Yeah. Many of us probably internally, you know, inside Rhino got to go like, collective that was, sigh that was, of relief. That oh, was man. a huge, that was a huge day. <laughs> that was huge, which, I mean, your notes are just fantastic. To me, the fun is seeing you go through the process and the way that it was coming together and the emails that we would write back and forth to each other. I kept so, our correspondence while I was writing the notes. So I, I think I was writing you almost every night, yeah. like giving you progress reports. Cause you know, for all intents and purposes on this project, you are my boss and I account <laughs> to you. And so I'm like, Hey man, I'm, you know, here I am. I'm, and you're like, okay, man, you know, keep, keep going. Weird old man pushing 60. And Jason, I want to know if this happened to you and pardon me if we approach this in our email and I forget, did you have some kind of version of abandonment issues or some kind of, crisis when you were done with yes. the box set i did i i, I did, did too because it did. became like i can't wait for 7 p.m i've done my workout i've eaten and yeah. now it's funhouse time yeah and it came to an end i'm like no yeah <laughs> I, I just i almost i just almost turned around and started again i didn't yeah. want to leave stooge world yeah and i guess at some point i'm gonna get the finished copy yeah. And I, I think I'm just going to do the whole thing again. I mean, I must, I must, I must look through the book. I must see the picture sleeves and, and everything. I think I'm going to do the whole damn thing again. In fact, I think, I know I am and I can't wait. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to be the last time I'm going to have to come up with some kind of ritual, like maybe every April, because every 420, I listen to dope smoker by the band sleep. Yeah. No matter where in the world I am, I put that record on and I write the bass player like, Al, I'm listening, man. <laughs> <laughs> and he always writes back, okay, weirdo. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to have to do, it's going to have to be a yearly thing where yeah. I pull out, I, I'm going to have to do that because it's, 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 it means that much to me. I mean, I've never had a, a box set affect me emotionally. I have, I have a ton of box sets. I'm that guy. I want, you know, all the Zeppelin box sets. All of them are great. And you listen, you're like, cool, man. But the Funhouse box set was like, I, I, I 
I now have this thing, a new part of me. I don't know. It was profound and incredibly deep. I don't know yeah. how to describe it. I think I'm going to have to fit this into some kind of like long week, like a two night immersion where I'm just going to, it's 4 a.m. I got two more discs to go until I sleep. Yeah. I think I owe it to myself. It's that righteous of a journey to take. And I just, I have a feeling it's not going to diminish with listenings. Like it's not like a Xerox of a Xerox where it kind of fades. If anything, maybe it gets more intense. Yeah. I'm just going to have to find out. What about the legacy of this record and the way that it's affected so many bands? And I, I'm not the only one that feels this way. A lot of people do. This is the first punk record. These guys started it because this band, unbelievable. You said in the liner notes, Henry, good bands play music. Great bands smash creation to pieces and often destroy themselves in the process of making something brilliant out of nothing. Basically, if it's trying to kill you, you might be onto something. Yeah. <laughs> and... That's what you feel when you listen to this record. You think this could explode at any minute. And that's what punk is about. Yeah. I mean, obviously it inspired you. Absolutely. I heard that record when I was 20. And I realized, and I was right, I realized this is my favorite record and I'm never going to do anything nearly as good as this. And I, you know, I made a qu a quite a few records in my, in my lifetime. This was before I had made my first album. I had like a, a, a seven inch to my name. And I heard Funhouse went, oh, well, I guess I'll just be okay with being number two. <laughs> because you're not, you're not going to do, I was in a band called Black Flag. And they said, son, put this record on. And if you can't get to this record, you, you can't be in this band. Like, if you don't dig the Stooges, we just don't know what to do with you. And I listened to Funhouse. I was like, oh, and I got it on the first listen. My DNA just went I got it. It wasn't a warm up. I heard it and I connected with that single record like I've never connected with any other record. I acknowledge the Stooges as kind of the ultimate power as a fairly young person trying to make music that mattered or, you know, stuck to the wall at least. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the liner notes is you have quotes from a bunch of fantastic musicians mm -hmm. Joan Jett, Stephen Van Zant. Yeah. Jack Holtzman also lends a quote, mm -hmm. but Mike Watts' quote I found really interesting. He says, I really don't think we would have had a movement without these guys. I really don't. And what would rock music be like without this record? Yeah. yeah. I wonder if it rock music right now wouldn't kind of sound kind of sorta like it did by the early 80s and it would just kind of stopped and turned into this really gross parody of itself. And I think the Stooges allowed a lot of really innovative people who became, you know, everything from, you know, Killing Joke to Nirvana to whoever else. I think the Stooges were one of those bands, you know, not the only band, but one of those bands that really inspired people to realize that they're really good too. Because a lot of these early punk bands were written off. Oh, they can't play. They can't do this. They can't do that. Those, you want to first pressing that record on eBay? You better get ready to sell your car. These are yeah, sought right. after records now. Like, For a reason. Yeah, because they're really damn good. And yeah. on the first Damned album, they do a cover. Oh, it's a Stooges song. It was no fun. Oh, <laughs> 
aware that this band did have an impact on all those first wave punk rock guys. Ian Mackay, my best friend, he of uh, Fugazi and Minor Threat and Teen Idols and owner of Discord Records. His first band, the Teen Idols, I-D-L-E-S, they covered No Fun. That's a long, long time ago. Carter was president before either of you were born, I'm sure. But, uh, <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, like, this is a band that found itself in a lot of people's mind, you know, the Stooges, where I don't know other bands where you can really say that about. You can just, you know, you can say that, well, that band sounds like The Clash or that band's trying to be the Sex Pistols or, or, or. But all those bands you mentioned, they all listen to the Stooges. And so they're one of those bands like the Velvet Underground that a lot of people heard and went, okay, I can't do that, but I now have the courage to find out what I can do. Yeah. And I think that's the real gift. It's like, you're not trying to be the the Stooges. You're not going to be Jimi Hendrix. You're not going to be Robert Johnson or whatever, but you can be your own freak and you can not listen to anybody and not try and be like what's on the radio and have the guts to go, we're going to sound like this. Well, you guys suck. You'll bite me, man. Like we're gonna, then we'll, yeah. we'll never stop playing. I think the Stooges give you that kind of attitude and, and guts to go out there with hostile audiences, which I have been in front of uh, maybe one or two in my life. <laughs> and in the band, you know, Black Flag, the Stooges was a big deal. And Metallica, the classic live recording of the Stooges, we would listen to that before we'd go on stage. Like I still have the tour cassette of. Metallica, and we would play that like driving to a venue because our gigs sometimes kind of resembled like wow what just flew by me was an ashtray or a bottle hopefully it didn't hit the drummer and that was a lot of (laughs) a lot of nights of my life and that was Metallica. also there's a venue in new jersey the latin casino the stooges did two live sets on the raw power tour and one of them came out on a some lp compilation bill stevenson the drummer of Black Flag, he of the Descendants as well. We would play this cassette that I got in a tape trade of the Stooges of the Latin Casino before we'd go on stage and night to night, because we would get some really intense crowd reactions. It was just, you know, back in those days. And we would play the Stooges show, getting ourselves ready to go out in front of, I paid $6.50 to throw this chair at your head. And just the level of intensity, like of vitriol and abuse Iggy is putting on that audience, it just gave you the courage to breathe. That's right. And whenever, you know, different times of the year that are, you know, tough to deal with, you know, anniversaries of deaths or things that are hard to get through in my life, sometimes the only music I can listen to is the Stooges because it pressurizes the room to where as miserable as the memories are, even I can breathe. And you need music that can hang as tough as the misery in your mind or the fatigue you're feeling. And I often, well, I used to spend a lot of my life on the road. I can't see a life on the road without Stooges records because you put on those songs and you're like fighting ready. Whenever I'm doing a movie, you know, I can't act, so I fake it as an actor. I listen to Lust for Life like on repeat before I go to the set. So I'm out there like with attitude, like I, I can act. No, I can't, but here I go. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's, it's that kind of thing that I think Iggy and the Stooges as a man and as a band gave a lot of people. And that's why you can go to people like Joan Jett, who's amazing 
and get her to talk about the Stooges where for her, it's so emotional. Yeah. She's a really amazing person. She's real. She is the real thing. Yeah. And like, listen to her talk about the Stooges. Like almost anybody in music, you say fun house and they'll go, Oh, 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 Oh man. Yeah. It's not like sure. what they'll go. Oh, are you kidding? And they'll like stand up and salute. Or you say the Stooges, it's, it's the gold standard. And like, you know, whatever, some arena filling rock band, you say the Stooges, or if Iggy had, would walk into their backstage area, and we're talking people who sell 50,000 tickets a night, be like, oh my God, look who's in our room. They'd lose it. Yeah, totally. Because Legend. Yes. And those records stand up. And the Funhouse box set, I mean, this thing that was sitting on a shelf that has now been brought back to life, I think... I'm not going to use the word important. I just think it's one of those box sets that's, uh, you know, as an old man, you'll give it to your one of your cool kids. You know, the one who got bad grades. You give your bad son the Funhouse box set so he can go into the world and, and conquer it. Like, son, with this, the world will be at your feet. Because the Stooges really went out there and kind of tamed that frontier. And when you read about them and you see photos from, you know, the audiences, some of those audiences were very inflexible. And the mm-hmm. Stooges just went out there and like they did not care on a grand on a grand scale. And that music, you know, they're they're pulling from influences, but in a way they kind of reinvented something and they defined something. I don't know exactly what. They made Stooges music. Like Sun Ra yeah. make make Sun Ra music. Is it jazz? What's well, Sun Ra music? Leave well, it like at the that. doors. Yeah. Nobody sounds like the doors. Right. It's like nobody sounds like the Stooges. Right. And yeah. the Stooges really are in that pantheon of great bands. Like any great band you want to name, you got to put the Stooges up there. And some snooty critics might argue with you, but they're wrong. You know, right. it's they're just wrong. This is the only time that this is ever going to happen. You have to take that chance right now. This is the only time it's going to happen. And fortunately, Rhino, they're taking a chance on this. And they've actually allowed it to come to life. Uh, I don't, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but can you give us a temperature being level of enthusiasm of Rhino as to this project? right now that it is about to come out or it, it is out like what's happening i know everyone's at home or whatever but like what's the read over there are people pumped up or what people are pumped there's a core team of us who have spent a lot of time a lot of energy a lot of ourselves into this and i think that that comes across the level of care that we put into it and the intention that we've had behind it yes. celebrate this that really comes across Whenever we get the finished box is when it's going to all fire up again because it's like it's finally here, you know. And, I can't wait to see the unboxing video because yeah, it's going to be bitching. I know. I know. It's going to be yeah. It's going to be awesome. So it's like there's oh, a lot of people internally who have <laughs> who want who want copies of this box <laughs> uh, and you really see who the real fans are. 
whenever you bring up a project like this. Yeah. The people who really, really care about music. It's been a true honor and pleasure and a privilege, and I underline privilege, to work with a record like Funhouse. And the fact that I got to work on this, I can't explain to you how much that means to me. I mean, it's it's huge because I've been in awe of this record since I first heard it and getting, you know, the day we were there listening to the mastering, that was like, wow, that's kind of like I've reached a mountaintop and then getting to write the liner notes and interview these people and have the big man sign off on it. And I'm like, man, I've, I've really come full circle where I realized a, a cool journey of my own. Yeah, I think we're all lucky to have been part of this, you know, to be fans in the first place and get to be involved. It's a true honor, you know, working with you, uh, being part of the lot. I, I, I must confess, I sometimes go to the ordering website that has a description so I can see my, like, and liner notes, like, Henry Rollins, like, that's, that's me. I, I'm on that page. <laughs> that's, that's cool, man. That's cool that you're that excited about it, Henry. It is. Yeah. I just hope people go out and get it because yeah. uh, there's not one thing that we've said in this time together that's not true or accurate. And while it might sound hyperbolic, well, it's enthusiastic because we've heard it. Everything we said is, is right. It's this good. It's one of the most profound listening experiences I've ever had. And I'm someone who plays usually about five records a night. I work at it. I mean, I, wow. I make the time, I sit down and I apply myself. I'm a student. And this is one of the heaviest, most amazing listening experiences I've ever had. Thanks very much to Henry Rollins and Jason Jones. Head on over to rhino.com to take a look at the Stooges Funhouse 50th Anniversary Edition. Thanks very much for tuning in. Don't forget to listen and subscribe on iTunes so you don't miss the next Rhino podcast. Producer for Rhino Entertainment, John Hughes. Produced for Rhino Entertainment by Rich Mayhem Promotions. All rights reserved.